soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. what he says coming to the ark oh how sweet that must have sounded it's hard for us to picture a planet where everyone's going to perish but he says coming to the ark you might as well say in the new testament equivalent for the church hey when you hear the trumpet sound you're in listen for the trumpet come in with the trumpet so that trumpet sounds we're called to be with the lord it's only going to happen once listening this through I always love, by the way, I always love brass. I love horns, saxophone, trumpet, trombone. I, I love horns. Now, the Jewish armies and tribes move with different sounds from their horns. There's battle cries of the horn, different things. Listen, this planet is, well, the believers on this planet are going to hear a trumpet. They're, they're going to hear a sound. It's only going to happen once. Just like the flood, it was only going to happen once. It only happened once. Noah had no means by which to measure what that flood was going to look like. But by faith, he built the ark for the saving of his household. And we have no, apart from the type of Enoch, we have no idea what it's going to be like to be alive. And then a a sound happens that's an eternal sound. It's outside our dimension. It is outside this dimension. And that sound, and that dimension is always over this dimension, and it supersedes it, and that, tr- that sound's going to happen, and it's just like the depth opening and the, the rain beginning. But that trumpet pulls us out before the wrath of the Lamb comes upon the planet, Revelation chapter 6. The wrath of the Lamb is coming. Who can stand before him? And they hid themselves in the rocks, Revelation 6. But as 1 Thessalonians 5 says, we're not appointed to wrath, but to salvation through our faith in Jesus Christ, for we're children who walk in the light, not in darkness. Come into the ark. That ark is an interesting thing because really it is so symbolic of salvation. It was the ark of deliverance. It certainly symbolizes Christ in a lot of ways. Our deliverer is the way of escape. It was the only way of escape. What if his neighbor said, we want to go on a different boat? We're going, hey, you know, can I get some floaties, you know, for my kids? What, you know, like all these different things. Like, we just, don't like, we just don't like that your ark's the only ark. Well, there's a way that seems right to men, but the end thereby is death. But Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. There's one way. I, don't you love that God just one way? It's frees to confusion. It's, it's childlike faith. There's one way. The person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Our faith is in Jesus in a person, not religion. And when they stepped on that ark, it was so symbolic of being invited to the deliverance that the Lord has. Noah built that ark day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. 
He cast his lot with that ark. He invested his time and energy in that ark. It was moved by faith. It was an act of obedience and reflected righteousness based upon his obedience to the Lord. We're told he was perfect in his generation. Not perfect, sinless, but the, the best you could be. And he certainly, as we saw last week, is a contrast to his generation that was rejecting the government of God. He submitted himself in his own heart to the government of God. And every day he built that ark, he, he cast another lot toward the kingdom. And then when it was time to be saved, the very thing he built in agreement and obedience to God was the very thing that delivered him. And let me tell you, when you face the grave, that life you've built through faith in the Lord will be your confidence on the day of the Lord. Not your works. Not works of your flesh that could save you, but the works of the faith that confirm you. Now, the thief was forgiven on the cross, and Jesus promised him paradise that day. And that's a beautiful story. But how much better to live a full life with the hammer building what God's called you to build and have a lifetime of obedience and faithfulness and trust in the Lord precede you. And then when it's time to step into eternity, that very ark you built is the testimony of your faith and obedience to the Lord as you step into eternity. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ, who's our Savior, to come and receive us and take us through the valley of the shadow of death. But nonetheless, like... As you sow, you reap. And as a woman sows, shall she reap. And as a man sows, shall shall he reap. And the life of faith and obedience and the ark that he built became the very thing by which his deliverance came. It's fascinating to me. And it brings up this great point. When God says, come on in the ark, he's inviting him to enter into that which he prepared himself for all those years with the life he lived by faith. That ark, he built it And it was this finished project, and it belonged to the Lord. And the Lord said, I've seen you in your generation. Come on in. Sowing and reaping. He built it by faith and obedience, and that which he built was the very thing that that carried him through. Think how much his faith grew in the Lord as he was building that ark. As he measured things out by the cubit, as he built the third story, as it was all coming together, and the Lord's like, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the ark. Now, he, of course, is in a timeline and came out on a timeline. So there's limits to the, you know, what we're talking about here. But the principle is still in place there. It's still there for us. I'm going to share this again. I shared this Tuesday night because it's that impactful to me. But at the pastor's conference recently for Calvary Chapel, Mike McIntosh, many of you know who Pastor Mike is from Horizon down there in San Diego, Pastor Chuck's first employee. Romaine, Pastor Mike McIntosh, and Don McCor, the first three employees of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, the Calvary Chapel movement. And to see two of them at the conference last month was wonderful. But in a form of questions, some young pastors asked him, what's your retirement plan? Mike McIntosh. And he said, we lost everything. We went to San Diego with $50, me and my wife, after God saved our marriage, we were remarried. They had been divorced, and she forgave them. They were remarried. And with Chuck's blessing, they went to San Diego with $50, and they started Horizon Christian Fellowship. At the zenith of their ministry, he said they had 9,000 people tithing to the church. Then they had all these things happen where a lot of people left, and eventually they came on financial hard times where he could not receive a salary anymore, and he had to give up any benefits that he had. He was broke. Pastor Mike McIntosh retired as a senior pastor of Horizon Christian Fellowship, broke, 40, 50 years of ministry. 
broke by man's standards. He poured out in everybody. And what he said has happened very interesting in recent years is that they poured out for all those years into people, never thinking like what they could get from people, but what they could give to people. When Melissa Hanning Camp was passing an eternity, Jeremy Camp's first wife, he taught three services that morning and showed up at that hospital right before she stepped into eternity to minister to her parents, Jeremy, and the Bible college students that were gathered there in prayer. How did he do that? But he poured out and he poured out and he poured out. And the point that he said is that in the measure, good measure pressed down, overflowing, and that the measure they gave for 40 plus years of ministry is the measure they got back. And in recent years, their financial assistance has come from people giving back to them who they poured their lives into for all those decades. And he said, so my answer to your question about retirement plan is this. We started with 50 and we're probably going to end with 50. We started in faith giving of ourselves to the Lord and to his people, and we're going to end our journey giving of ourselves to the Lord and to his people. Enter into the ark. What you built is that which blesses you. Enter into the ark. Good measure pressed down. And that's the word of the Lord that God gave me for this year. Do not grow weary in doing good, for we will reap in due season. And do not be deceived. God's not mocked. As we sow, we reap. So as we're sowing to the Spirit, we're reaping the things of life. And it serves us well for this life, and more importantly, the life to come. The Lord sees all things, and he says to Noah, come into the ark. We also see where he says, you and your, all your household. This is beautiful. We're all, of course, encouraged and inspired by this. You and your household. It's an inheritance. We read in Proverbs, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Our first thoughts in the human fleshly sense is estates and trust and deeds and all those kind of things that you deal with when you get older and all these things that can go on with things like that. But the inheritance really is a legacy of faith because we're told in the Psalms that one generation shall proclaim your praises to another generation. And the greatest inheritance we give is of our faith. See, when we do baptisms, we always want the dads to be involved as the spiritual leaders in the household to be involved in the baptisms. So whenever I do baptisms of kids and the dads are doing it, and sometimes the dads aren't even believers. They're like, hey, let's do this. Really? I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And, you know, Methuselah being born is what caused Enoch to walk with God. And you just never know what dad when he's going to go out in the water and he's there to lead their child in faith, how that's going to affect them. And we've seen it be favorable. And if nothing else, it just builds accountability in a good way before the Lord. Last week, all the baptisms were with dads. Every one of them. That's the greatest inheritance there is. When we're leaving this planet, the greatest legacy we can leave to our children and our children's children is faith in Jesus Christ and a life that reflects that. And to whatever degree our adult children want to receive it, great. To whatever degree they don't, that's their business. The grandchildren, right there. I've noticed that when you go three generations, so when you have great-grandfathers and they're with the great-grandkids, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're, old, they're like mid-80s usually or maybe even 90, so there's a little more commotion. And I just determined if I reach 90, and I'm not in a hurry to, but 
if I'm there and I'm with my great-grandchildren, I want to be spirit-filled. I want to be in the moment with the Lord. I want to be pronouncing blessings on my children's children's children. I want to be pronouncing blessings on them. When you're a grandparent, the most important thing pretty much is the grandkids. Okay? When they show up, time stands still. It's like, oh, what? I was talking to uh, Mike Lucas at the beach baptism the other day, on Saturday. And he'll testify to this. He's security out here. I'm talking to Mike. So how's it going at work? How's the graveyard shift? He's like, well, you know, it's not everything else. All of a sudden, Clementine shows up, my granddaughter. I'm like, well, that's great. Thank you. And I went right to Clementine and Bell, you know, Isabella, my, my daughter-in-law. And Mike's like, hey, hubba, 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 hubba. I'm like, hey, you can wait. Clementine's here, man. And even now at this point in my life, like, what's the vision at 58? Like, where do you go from here? Like, I know one thing. I'll, every time I see these, I'm going to pray. I'm, I live to pray for these grandkids and to pray for my kids who are over them. And I live to pray for the calling of God's, the call of God on my grandkids' life. And when they see me, I want eye contact and I want to pronounce blessings to them. Like the Levites, the Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee, Right? That's what I want to do. I want to pronounce blessings upon them. I want the words of eternity and life spoken over them when they come in our house. I want them to see their grandfather praying with their parents when they're leaving the house. You know, sometimes it's pretty chaotic when grandkids leave the house, too. Can I get a witness? A lot of times, like, you know, it's, it's shutting down. But I'm just like, Lord, we thank you for this time. See, you and your house come on the ark. And I said this about Noah. The neighbors didn't believe. That ark went up. They did not believe. But what mattered most is his family did. His wife got on the ark. His three sons and their wives got on the ark. And that's a pretty good crusade. That's a great outreach. When you're, because they know you better than anyone else. You and your family. See, your, your wife, your husband, they know you better than anyone else if you're married. Your roommates, if you're single, whatever, they, they know you. But living in a dorm, you definitely know each other in college, right? Yeah, you, you, it's all good, bad, ugly. It's the human experience. A rehab house. My sister lives with 20 women in a rehab house still in San Diego, two years sober. It's like, yeah, you know, it just, it is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. But your family knows you better than anyone else. And that's what I love about Noah's, when the Lord says, I've seen, I've seen. I have seen that you walk with me and you're righteous and you've built this ark for the saving of yourself and your household. I've seen your faith. I've seen your obedience. And it's strong enough to win your wife and your children to me. You're moving with godly fear, as we're told in Hebrews 11, 7, has brought your family on the ark. They're invited too. And isn't it wonderful when you see in the Bible, like the Philippian jailer, where he gets saved, his whole family gets baptized? Like, think what kind of credibility, even as a non-believer, that man had for the integrity of his home, that when he came home and said, hey, I, I beat these guys because I was called to, I had these guys, the earthquake happened, whatever tomorrow brings, it's the middle of the night, their message is true, this Jewish Messiah, Jesus is the Savior, him and his household believed and were baptized. The integrity of our faith shines brightest in the core of our home, whether it's through dad or mom or ideally through both. The greatest inheritance we give our kids and our kids' kids is faith 
seen, lived out, demonstrated in our lives. What's our passion daily? Noah moved with godly fear, built the ark for the season. What's that hammer building in our hand? What's it building? Kingdoms of men? What folly? The kingdom of God? Praise the Lord. What steps of faith do your kids and your kids' kids, if you have children, or even those that see you in church and your extended relatives, what steps of faith do they see in your life? Do they see you stepping up to serve as a deacon? Do they see you stepping out in faith as a pastor? Do they see you moving the whole family to Vermont, not knowing where you're going or what you're going to do, like Abraham in 11.8? That's the next one coming in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham and Sarah went to the promised land, not knowing where they were going. That's one of my favorite verses of the Bible. You ever loaded up a rider truck and go 20 a 20-foot rider truck and go cross-country with it, saying God will provide, God will take care of us. And you have a priest slim pickings in the refrigerator for a few weeks and you're looking through the one ads looking for a job. You ever done that for Jesus? You ever showed up at a kind of a funky hotel in a funky meeting room to start a church everyone thinks a cult? You ever done that? I have. It'll give you fiber. It'll give you depth. It'll give you character. And it will inspire your children to walk with the Lord. And even if they're not even old enough to know what's going on, it's, it's a spiritual principle. It's, it's like, it's a spiritual thing. It's a, it's a good seed sown. They might be two years old and they don't understand what you're really doing, but you're sowing a good seed, a seed of faith that's happening, and it's all around them. See, every act of faith that you build in obedience to the Lord, like Noah building the ark, it, it's an impact to your family and to your children and your children's children. They may not go to the church that you go to. They have to find their own faith, like the kids that were baptized last week. I told every one of those kids, this isn't your dad's faith or your mom's faith. This is your faith. You need to find, they need to find their own traction, as you did. My mom sent me to catechism, fifth grade, McIntyre Elementary School, Charlottesville, Virginia. Once a week, we'd walk off that campus and be taught a Bible study with the Good News for Modern Man Bible by the Jesus Freaks. 1971, 72. All those gospel stories. My mom sewed that into me, but I had to find my own faith. Open ocean, 50-foot seas. Divine appointments with a flat tire and pouring rain, and God sends a Christian come from a Bible study to change my tire. Humbles me. Because I'm like a drunken fool. Some guy's like, praise the Lord, one way. I'm like, good, thanks for fixing my tire. Oh, they have to find their own faith, but you have yours, and it's the same faith and the same Savior. And so you build that ark, and you go on that ark, and then they follow you on that ark. Yeah, they'll have to find their own direction in the Ice Age. But you know how you handled yourself and the rejection of your generation is a strength for them as they be fruitful and multiply and the human race goes on through them in the ice age after the, after the flood. Which brings us to the final thing. It's one of my favorite words in the English language. It's generation. How I think, how I'm wired, I just see everything in generations. So see, he says, because I've seen... This is come on, come on the ark. You know, Noah built it. You, you're coming on it. You and your family, you're righteous before me in this generation. 
again, that contrast we looked at last week of Noah's life and his generation versus his neighbors. But it's fascinating to me in this generation, this distinction. It's, then it's over. And this is what's been so enlightening for me, helping out my parents in their upper and mid-80s. It's so sobering, you know, you, you, to just think of how they lived their life and their timeline, and then on the very back end of it. Last week, I needed to shave my dad. Like, you lose freedoms as you get older. You know, like, you, 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 until you ultimately, the ultimate freedom you lose is you can't go to the bathroom on your own anymore, and then you're really, you're bedridden, and it's, it's just, like David said, I go the way of all men. Or as God said, from the dust you came, the dust shall return. But we don't need to fear that day. I don't think Billy Graham feared it. He went all the way to 99. I have no intention of fearing it. Elizabeth Elliot ended up with Alzheimer's and probably didn't know who she was at the end. But she sowed a good seed for all those generations, and I'm sure she was fine, and people took care of her. But shaving my dad the other last week, there's my dad, you know, the colonel, Korea, Vietnam, ROTC, University of Wisconsin, Masters UVA, all those things that he did. And he needs his son to shave him. He's, he's been a good shaver, but, Dad, I got I to gotta do this. And Barbie, you know, rehab Barbie's like, Dad, Joe, we got to shave Dad. We got to change his clothes. We got to go get him new clothes. Like, and that reality, I mean, I got pictures of my dad, like when he's in the Marines, like he's like 20, when he's the captain, lieutenant, headed for Korea, that crew cut Marine. I mean, he's a Marine's Marine. I'm talking the real deal. Bronze Star, combat, Korea. And dad's all like this. How humbling it is to have to let me shave him. He can get this part, but he can't really get the neck anymore. Dad, we got to get this part. Of course, you buy him a really good razor and a really good shaving cream. He's the colonel. He deserves the best. And Barbie picked out all that. We got him really good Nike shoes, good stuff. Well, I'm looking good. But his generation's coming to an end. He grew up with radio. He was born in 1930. He grew up with a nickel buys you the movie and a nickel buys you the ice cream, a dime every Saturday. He grew up listening to World War II when his dad was gone in World War II for two and a half years. But that generation's almost gone, and this generation's almost gone. See, we're just right behind him. We're just right behind them. And I was about to say, hey, 60's the new 40. No, it's not. 60's 60. 40's 40. You say 50 is the new 30. No, it's not. 50 is 50. See, in your generation, Noah was faithful in his generation, and the critical thing is that we are faithful in ours. This is where it all comes together, is all these people that lived and conquered and lived and conquered and built, and, you know, all of them, the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, Napoleon, all of them, they all came and went. The glory of man is as the grass of the field. It grows, it withers, it fades away. And Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, there's a great evil I see, that you, you, you go to the way of all men, rich and poor to the grave, and then you don't know what happens after you, and there's no way for you to know. You don't get to know. That's for your kids' kids and kids' kids' generation. We have now. And our chance for obedience and faithfulness to be like Noah and obey the Lord and do the work of the Lord is our generation now. And what if we are the last generation? What if we're the generation that will hear the trumpet sound? Or what if our children are the generation that hears the trumpet sound? 
Should we not be praying for them? Or what if it's our grandkids? What if every time those grandkids come over, I'm looking at Velzy, and he's almost one. His first birthday is next week. And what if he's going to hear the trumpet in 23 years into his life? What manner of grandfather should I be by the example I am and how I pray and what I do and how I care and how I act and how I don't act or react? We have our generation, and there's multiple generations here tonight. We want to be faithful in ours to the end. Keep building whatever he's called us to do. By the dimensions he's given us to, seek the Lord. Let him, ignore, let him direct our steps and make clear our path. And keep building. Because the last thing we leave with on this generation is, you know, we presume we'll get to the end of our generation, but I watch a lot of people that were born around the same time I was, and they're gone. They didn't get a full game. I'm not even sure I got a full game. I've watched a lot of people step into eternity, and so have you that are older. It's our generation, the Lord sees. And I close with this thought from Chronicles. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro over the face of the earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Keep doing the right things. Press on for even greater things. Build that ark for the saving of others and for the testimony of your faith. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.